Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Let's get into relationships. Woo-wee. We are cooking with gas now, huh? We are cooking with gas now because I saw a lot of comments coming in tonight. <clears throat> I read a lot of comments last night that it was a heavy doozer. My solutionist secretary told me we needed to take some time to breathe. So forgive me for pushing as your coach last night for pushing so hard that I forgot to give you time to breathe. <laughs> Take some time to breathe. And it's okay to put it in the chat. I need a moment to breathe. Let your peers see that they're not alone and that sometimes we can get so full of anxiousness and anxiety that we really forget to breathe. Like we may be breathing faster or slower and not paying attention that we need to have focused breathing. Put it in the chat. I love it. I'm not offended by it. Using the tools. I'm trying to build an emotional toolbox for y'all. So when this 31st day comes, and I've got to tell you, we're so glad to have this time together and I got to hang up now. <laughs> but don't worry, we're putting some awesome things together to keep us going weekly. You know, it's going to be recommended that y'all watch a video a week because we did 30 and 30. You're going to be able to take that 30 and spread it over 30 weeks or the remaining weeks of the year to get your work done. But use your breathing. Take the time to be mindful. This is your toolbox. These are the things that you're going to use in the workplace, in your relationships. When you wake up from a stressful, emotional dream, we're going to talk about dreams a little bit too, I believe in the next chapter or a couple chapters down. Next chapter, we're going to get a little heavy into regret. How are y'all doing with regrets in your life? So there's all these tools that are there for you as weird as they may sound. And I use that word because I know when I first started to find an interest in this and I came across some of the things that, you know, mindfulness and um, empathy circles and empathy journal. I hated journaling. I was like, give me a break. It's for cornballs. It's not something that I do. And then I found out that it was like medicine. You might not like it, but the maintenance of it shows up over time in the longevity of your health and wealth. So take the time to do these resources. If you haven't <clears throat> purchased the book yet, Emotional Intelligence for Mental Health Wellbeing, A Life Coach's Guide, you can go to my website and order it. We have probably 10 in stock, so it will go out the same day. Or you can go to Amazon, which I'm told that if you do not have a prime account, it may take a while for you to get it. But if you have a prime account, you should be able to get in with, get it within a couple of days. We have journals in as well. Um, and, um, I believe tomorrow I will have in some more of the notepads. We got a lot going on and we are going to work this toolbox and see all the great things that's coming. Please don't forget if you wouldn't mind, please, it would mean a lot to me if you would go on to Amazon and Ebony can put the link in the chat tonight. 
And we will also, for those who have registered on my website, it's, it costs nothing to register. Um, it's just a place for me when we're moving like this and I decide I want to create an assessment for a question for something that really seemed like it struck gold with y'all. You will be able to get all these resources and keep in communication with us, find out where we're showing up to do our show live. I want to get back into some of the colleges again this year. COVID shut it down. I want to do a retreat this year and I want you to be invited. Whether you're able to come or want to come is completely up to you, but I want you to know that you're invited. So make sure you go onto our website and register and you can go on the events tab and register for Soul Detox 2024. And we will save your information and make sure that you are in the know of everything we have going on. And when it works for your life and your schedule, we'd love to have you with us. But be mindful that I do this every year. This is my eighth year that I do this 30 days of free life coaching in group therapy sessions such as this. And we're not going to stop. It is my passion. It is my goal to help people become more aware of their mental health in a therapeutic teaching, but not always requiring therapy. Not everything requires therapy. So if you go that route, I take my hat off to you and I'm proud of you and I encourage that. I have clients that are with uh, licensed clin clinical social workers, some are with psychologists and some are with psychiatry because they need medication treatment. And I work in tandem with them. They'll call me up. I, I need you to work with this client and what you do, the, the, the part of it that you offer. And when clients can afford it, they come on over here. Most people will work it out because it really, really, really makes a difference. And I know that life coaching is going to blow up even more because I'm out here first plowing and digging and making sense of what is a life coach. You know, we think that it's for millionaires or uh young adults who want to get into prestigious colleges because they hire a life coach to get into these colleges and news anchors when they want to go from a local access channel and they want to be on um, great international journaling, they'll hire a life coach. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but I know for a fact, two of the guys on the Today Show speaks about their life coach and how great it is. And one of my favorite shows, Million Dollar Listing, one of the guys in there says how he lost so many years thinking that a life coach and life coaching was a fluke until he hired one. It's really needed in your life. And I would compare it to maybe an elder of a church to a limited capacity. Um, I would compare it to maybe the advice and counsel we used to get when families were a healthy and whole dynamic. And now that these places are broken, there's life coaching for this. I actually was in a life coaching uh, Zoom and I found out there's a woman, <clears throat> I forget what state she's in. She's in the East Coast, I believe. And she's an elderly woman, senior citizen, if you will. And she became a life coach. And guess what? She's a life coach, mother. She provides mothering to young adults in college who are away from their mothers and they need that mother. They come by her house and they have dinner. Um, they come by and they'll have tea with her. They'll um, have discussions with her, whatever they feel they need. 
she offers them that maternal component as a life coach. So life coaching is evolving to meet the needs that are no longer able to be met in regular family units. It's safe. It's non-judgmental. It's confidential. And it's always about forward movement. That is the difference with life coaching and therapy. Our immediate goal is forward movement. Movement. We will acknowledge that you maybe lack the skill of emotional intelligence. But while we're training you in the skill, we're always taking you forward. It's about forward movement. <clears throat> so I gave you a little spiel on that. If you look at my website and you take some time, some days, maybe when the weather is like this and you read my blog, I have in there, what is a life coach? What does a life coach do? What's the difference between life coaching and therapy? What happens? What, when are the times that I don't need therapy? You know, there's those, those times. And if you are on a budget and you have insurance, then let the insurance pay for your therapy and go get what you need done. But whatever you need to do, prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers, take advantage of what's out there for you. Um, I don't, I don't speak ill against any um, doctors or medicine or um, therapy or counselors. Um, I have to have one myself because of what I do. I have one for our family, but I will say this. I have had a few clients, somebody say a few, I'm not overestimating this, but I have had a few clients who actually feels that this component helped them more than therapy did. And it's not a comparison or a contrast to, it depends on the needs in your life. And, and oftentimes I have worked with clients who later, once I was able to get them mentally prepared, I was able to send them into therapeutic sessions by a therapist because there's ther there's therapeutic things, but it's not always by a therapist. So I was able to introduce them to therapy. Yeah. I've had people come to me who believe that they were hoarders and they weren't hoarders at all. And there's a difference between someone who hoards and someone who has a compulsion with shopping. And I'll tell you the difference. I'll give you a big secret. The difference between a hoarder and an acquisition um, dysfunction is the hoarder thinks they're collecting things. There's always a collection to it. Um, what's some of those things they used to collect? Of course, they collect mugs. Um, what are those? What beanie babies or something? Remember those things that people were collecting? And a lot of those ended up in the homes of hoarders or, um, you know, after people got rid of them, they thought they were going to be worth a lot of money. But that's the difference between someone who has um, acquisition dysfunction, where they'll go out and they'll buy a couple pair of earrings or they'll see a pair of pants that they like in the window. Thank you, Stacy. Beanie babies. Yes. And I think there was, was there one more doll too that went around for a while? But um. People will um, see a pair of pants in the window of a store and they'll want to buy them in all colors. That's not a hoarder because they're not trying to to um, make a collection of it. They have an issue with acquisition. And I can go into more details right now and give you the right terminology, but I'm not because that's not what we're on here for. But I wanted to let you know the difference a little bit more on why we can go in as we can. And we have a lot of, there we go, Stacey, you're on it. Cabbage Patch. 
Do you all remember Cabbage Patch Dolls? Cabbage Patch Dolls. Oh, my God. The women in the office I worked in then. Yes, Audra. Thank you. Mike Rose. There you go. Yep. Someone else says, my mother collects ceramic dolls. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a difference in the two. So, you know, this woman was getting diagnosed from her friends and because her house was very crowded, she they all assumed she was a hoarder. I mean, you couldn't open the doors to her house. She could barely get to her bed, but it wasn't that at all because there was no belief that she was collecting anything that would be of value later. That's the mindset. It was an acquisition issue and it's an emotional thing. Can you believe that? It's from emotions. So I really have a, a great relationship with all of my clients. Um, the boundaries are in place. They know where they stand. I know where I stand. But the work that I do with so much passion, they feel that connection. And if they're looking for a Christian, that's mainly why people come to me because they're looking for the Christian component. And um, they get the, the Christian component with it. And, you know, they'll bring up other things that they're going through in their life. And I'll be able to counsel them on that as well as coming from a pastor. But it's important. Yes, um, Jerry, Minister Jerry is asking, is it also from trauma? Some of it is from trauma. Yes, we can put it under trauma. Um, but it's a, a lot of it is less than trauma. And it's just they don't know how to work out the emotions. A lot of us do not know how to express emotions. So when we don't know how to express emotions. We do all these other things. It can lead to depression, Karen. That is correct. Yeah. Emotions are big. And that's why I went this way tonight because they're not going anywhere. They are a part of us. And believe it or not, God did it. And he did it on purpose. He did not make a mistake. He wanted worship. And worship does come from an emotional place. He wanted us to enjoy the earth. Remember in the beginning of the book? We talked about how emotions color the black and white sketch that living would be if we did not have emotions. It's just been sad because we have not been taught. If anything, I hear the most common amongst people is I was taught you better not cry before I give you something to cry for. So you were not validated that your pain was real. Um, you better... Um, go wipe off that sore by yourself. You big baby. They did not validate that you actually had a cut and it scared you or the, the trauma scared you. You know, I remember being a little girl and being bit by a dog and I, I wasn't even upset about the bite. I was terrified over the dog. So when I came in, I was just like crazy because I saw this dog literally coming at me and you know, my mom was a tough woman. The attachment style that I came from with her, um, is the, um, anxious avoidant. You know, I, I don't, I don't need all of that and I'm working it out to need all that. My dog has helped me a lot to understand the touch and the hug and the feel the granddaughter has helped with that. The husband who loves the hug, but you know, everything with her was like 12 kids. You're I'm number 12. You got to be kidding. If you think I have anything left for you. 
So I got bit by the dog and I didn't, you know, I was showing her the bite because I knew she'd want to clean it and put something on it. But I was really trying to tell her how terrified I was over the dog. And she brushed me away and told me to go in the bathroom and wash the sewer. So today, for people who are around me, they'll probably see that in me. If I get hurt, there's not much acknowledgement of it. I, 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 I take a lot of pain. There's not much acknowledgement of my pain. And I actually get angry when I'm sick because of the attachment style that I came up with. Am I, am I helping anyone out yet this far? Yeah, so it becomes a part of us, even at my age. But the work is never done. We just do as much of it as we can while we're still alive. We'll be in old age and still working on some things, but it will be enjoyable. It will be a pleasure. It won't make us feel like we're um, got all these problems or something's so wrong with me or I'm so messed up. You know, that's the feeling most people feel when they first start discovering mental health. But for for someone like me, and as you will be, as years go by, you're like, okay, what's next? Bring it on. Because I feel lighter and happier and more joy. And I'm able to put boundaries in place. I'm able to let relationships go without feeling guilty and calling them back to go right back into a toxic relationship. Like it brings growth and development to you. And there's a level of freedom and your health actually begins to get better. I've had clients that get online with me and it was their first time going through 30 days and they would literally call me and tell me that they could not stop using the bathroom. The, the information had such a physiological response in their body that they went to the bathroom. Some clients told me they were throwing up at least three times during the 30 days because this is the effect when your body has truth. It responds to the truth. And sometimes your body will respond with nervousness. Sometimes you, you would just feel so euphoric and so energetic. And people are like, what are you so excited and happy about? It's a response from truth. This is what God had in mind for us for truth. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul. We're getting our spirit man right to return and be in heaven but we've been given so many years here on earth and we need to be prepared in our earth bodies to enjoy earth. He gave us this on purpose. Yeah. We have to learn how to let things go. Yep. And there's, there is a skill guys and learning to let things go. We don't just let things go. You know, how many times have we told someone get over it? I heard someone tell someone else the other day, stop crying. That is the worst thing you can tell someone to stop crying. No, encourage them to cry. Get it out. I'm here with you. I'm not going anywhere. You want to go sit in a car? You want to go in the parking lot of Starbucks? Where do we need to go? The worst thing you can do is to tell someone to stop crying. Don't do that. Never tell someone you shouldn't feel that way. And these are, these are things that have been passed down to us that we say without even thinking. We say this to people without even thinking. That's not something you say to someone. You should not feel that way. No, they feel that way. Acknowledge the fact that they feel that way. Did anyone look at the video that I tagged us all in where the guy was giving us three steps on how to disarm someone who is angered or frustrated with you? And the first step is what I've been teaching already. He just did it in a good video form where he said, 
halfway agree with them. Halfway agree with them. If someone says you're 15 minutes late, I'm not going to let you into this appointment. You should have been on time. I agree with you that I am late, ma'am. And I apologize, but I had that right away. They're like, oh, you agree with me? You're disarming them. See, life isn't won by arguing with people. Life isn't won. What you want out of life is not achieved by defending yourself and arguing with people. You win and get what you want out of life when you can say, well, that's half true. That's partially true. Getting what you want out of life with people, you have to learn how to have active listening and proper communication skills. Don't you want what you want out of life? And someone else has the power to give you this appointment, to loose this grant to you, to clear this credit issue up for you, to get you through this court issue. And you want to argue and defend yourself with them? No, we have to learn the proper skills of communicating with people so we can win in life so that we can get what we want out of life, especially with the people who have the power, who have the, the gate or the keys to what it is that we need. You're wasting your life and your time by arguing and defending. You'll never win. And then I like to say it this way. You may win the war that you are in immediately but the, the, the whole war of the marriage or of the family, you're going to lose it. You can win the battle, but you'll lose the war. So I won the battle fighting with my spouse. I won the battle of fighting with my boss. But now I no longer have a spouse and I no longer have the job that I wanted. So I lost the war. How many battles have you won but lost the war? Make a decision in 2024. Just try it. Just try it for me. This is what I want you to try. I want you to practice what we've been going through in session these 15 days and the remaining 15 days because I want you to make up your mind that I'm going to apply everything that's being taught this year because I want to win in life. I want access to everything that's available for me and I don't want my emotions, my personality or my character to stop me from getting it. There are people who have been assigned to the gates. There are people who hold the keys and you're not getting them when you could get them, if at all, is because of attitude and perspective. I want to win and I'm, I'm only doing this. I feel really punked, but I'm only doing this because I want to win. I'm tired of winning battles and losing the war. So let's get into this relationship thing because I have a quick assessment I want to ask on the screen with you afterwards. And anyone who really wants to know their results, we can share it. It might be something good that you both can share um, in your relationship, domestic again, right? Playing house with your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever you have. It also will work on your teams. If you want, are on any teams, especially those ministry teams in the Apostles' House, I want the teams to take this assessment and discuss the assessment. Your girlfriends or your guy friends, I want you to use this assessment within those relationships. The assessment at the end of this teaching tonight is going to be for all relationships that you are in, though some one or two questions in it may be particular to marriage or sexual relationships. Okay? 
All right, let's talk about it. So after we finished last night and we won, right? We won last night. We got through all that. The things that affect our relationships regarding empathy and EI. Tonight, we're going to talk about some ways in which emotional intelligent issues can impact our sex life. Number one, communication. Most people think it's money or affairs. Less people leave a relationship over an affair. But the majority of people leave over communication and then money. And we all think cheating is the worst thing someone can do to us. Communication will destroy a relationship and lead to an affair possibly. And finances can um, destroy relationship. But it all first started from poor communication. We need to learn how to communicate with one another. We've been on this earth for how many years? <laughs> and we still can't communicate with each other. We still have a very low level of self-awareness with ourselves. And we're out there trying to run the world and teach a generation and lead a people. And we know ourselves the least and we are poor communicators with other human beings. Communication is number one. Effective communication is crucial for satisfying sexual relationships. Individuals with low emotional intelligence struggles to express their desires. There's that expression again, the verbs, the grammar to express their sexual desires, preferences, and boundaries. Clearly this can lead to misunderstanding unmet needs and dissatisfaction in the bedroom. Number two, empathy. Empathy is essential for understanding a partner's desires, needs, and emotions during sexual encounters. A lack of empathy can make it challenging to connect with a partner on an emotional level and respond to their physical and emotional cues. Hey, fellas, I want you to try empathy for a couple of weeks. Just work straight empathy. Even if you're faking it, I'm going to give you permission to do that and watch her response to you over a couple of days when she is looking at you and watching you doing it. Cause she's not going to be able to help blushing. She's not going to be able to help herself from feeling good. Even if she's very, very angry with you internally, you are responding to a place that she can't control. And that's the internal. And I guarantee you, if you are the one that always has to start the sexual conversation or the sexual behavior, you're going to see a turnaround. She's going to have things return to life that maybe wasn't there. A passion one and maybe attraction to you too. This works both ways, but I'm coming at it this way for this particular part of the conversation. Work empathy. See, God made woman for man. And I'm not dealing with any gender issues and same sex stuff. That's not even a part of this topic right now. It's clear that God made woman for man. There is nothing that you should not be able to get from that woman that you have. If you are struggling to get things that you want and you need, from that woman that you have, it's you. 
God did his part. He made her for you. What you need is in her. What you crave is in her. She may not even know it because you have not unlocked what unlocks a woman to make her desire you to come at you. This may surprise a lot of brothers, but women tend to have a higher sex drive than a man. Believe me, the reason her sex drive is not showing up as I'm discussing it tonight is because emotionally the key's not in the door to open what it is you need, how you want her to be and how you want her to come at you. It is the truth. It's the mental part. We can't keep our hands off you. You remember how we were when we met? It wasn't fake. It wasn't a gimmick. It didn't expire. It didn't get old. You let something go dormant. And the good thing about dormancy compared to death, a dormant thing looks dead, but it can be brought back to life. A dead thing is dead. My mother was late 40s when she had me by a man who was in his early 60s. Wasn't none dead about him. And I'll tell you how they ran that house. We would ask him for something because he was financially head of the house. And you know what he would tell us? Go ask your mother. He would say, Ma, do you want anything today? And she'd say, no, Carl, I'm all set. And we'd say, well, we want something. He was like, I don't care what you want. He made it clear. Is she's all right? Then I'm all right. Then y'all all right. And in that order, he wasn't passive by any means. My father was a man's man. He was very clear. And he said to me, anything I want, your mother gives me. And he made it clear. He was a man of his house. He was the head financially of his house. But anything we wanted or need, it was up to her to tell us if we could have it or not. He and he made it very clear. I don't know if y'all do this in your house, but I know that it's lacking in a lot of households today. He made it very clear that he loved her. And we used to say to him, oh, you such a punk for her. And he would laugh. He didn't care. He made it clear he loved her. He said, I'm crazy about your mother. He actually told us, and it stuck with me. And this is how I know it's important for children to see um, us kiss each other and hug each other and not and be um, waiting for them to come home and give them a phone call. It is so important for, for children and those around us, period, to see. I remember he said, when I die, it's going to be on my, on my tombstone, Mary, Carl's first love. Mind you, he was married twice. My father and I had a very close relationship, and he used to talk to me about all his prior girlfriends. And I knew one of his most memorable girlfriends, her name was Sophie. And he always talked about Sophie with me and him together. But he made it very clear. This is the only woman I ever loved. And I used to just be like, oh, y'all just so weird. Now it's like, this is how couples should talk to each other in church, in the house around other family members. I'm crazy about you. You look good. Come here, sexy. Come here, handsome. Everybody sees our fights and our arguments. And we're, we're sending 
a negative connotation to relationships. And we're wondering why people don't want to get married. We're wondering why people are trying everything else except marriage. We're wondering why people are even going to other genders who may not be gay. And it's because I don't want anything to do with that. It is important to let your children see you kiss each other or say to your spouse, what do you want today? What can I do for you today? Is there anything I can do for you today? What can I do to make you happy today? What are we going to do this weekend? It's important for them to see this because you know what? They're going to go out one day and then they're going to end up back in our house because we showed them what a horrible relationship looks like. And whether they like it or not, and most of our children do not like the bad things that they've seen, it is a learned behavior and it will become automatic for them. And they will find themselves acting like you, dad, acting like you, mom, unconsciously. And then we're mad when they're back in the house again. Somebody said, my husband is like that. Go ahead, Pastor Yashika. It is important. And pastors, ministers, it's important for the church to see that. We don't, I'm not faking it. I'm not with the fake it stuff. When, I'm, when, when it ain't good for me, it's silent. I am not going to fake anything for any audience or any followers. But people should be able to see the touch and the love and the smile when you see each other. Marriage is ordained by God and it is our reasonable service to show the good side of it and not just the bad. That's right, Mike Rose. That's the bottom line. That's the scripture many skip. Submission is a two-way street. Everything that woman got in her is yours. And if you're not getting it out of her, trust me, it's your fault. Because someone else could show up and get it all in one day and have even put in 5, 10, 15 years that you've put in for that woman. Because all she needs is attention, affection, empathy. She needs your emotional intelligence. Shall I return? Do I still have an audience here? Y'all still loving me here? The truth sets us free, but boy, it hurts. So communication is big. That even leads to sex. Empathy. Empathy is essential for understanding a partner's desires, needs, and emotions during sexual encounters. Empathy and sex. Yes. Empathy plus sex equals great sex. A lack of empathy can make it challenging to connect with a partner on an emotional level and then respond to their physical and emotional cues. She sees your physical cues. Most of us women can tell when our partners want sex before they have even said they want sex. We feel the energy. We feel the vibe. We know it. And when we're not acknowledging it, something's off emotionally and you need to build up that empathy tank with your partner so that she can come at you like the lion you want her to be. Number three, emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy is closely linked to sexual satisfaction. Say that emotional intimacy is closely linked to sexual satisfaction. It's emotions, baby. People with emotional intelligence issues may have difficulty forming deep emotional connections with their partners, which can affect the level of intimacy in the relationship. People in, in marriage unions are having sex for the sake of having sex. 
I, I've been amazed until I got into this role of counseling to find out how many women have not reached a climatic level and has been married. And of course, usually it's from some trauma in the childhood that was never dealt with. That's a bad thing. How come he's not even aware of that? Even the fact that she's may not be honest and maybe she's even faked it. Why isn't he aware emotionally? You set that environment up and you open a door for her to relax and share a conversation with you. Because if that hasn't happened to her and she's married to you, you need to take advantage of that. That's going to be an awesome thing for you, for you, sir, and for your marriage. Emotional intimacy. And people who lack emotion, emotional intelligence have difficulty forming deep emotional connections. Have you ever met people like that? Very fine, handsome. Maybe they had all the money. Maybe they had the posture that you like, but you just can't get an emotional connection with them. And when that emotional connection isn't there, it affects the level of intimacy. Stress and anxiety. We all know what that can do for us, male and female. Stress and anxiety. High levels of stress, anxiety, or emotional turmoil can negatively impact sexual desires and performance. Individuals with poor emotional intelligence may struggle to manage stress and anxiety effectively, leading to difficulties in the bedroom. And you don't think you need EI. Yes, EI has to do with our sexual life as well. So EI so far, right, has been in the office. It has been in the church. It has been in our relationships and it's in our bedrooms. EI, whoever thought. Conflict resolution, number five. I think we're on like one page, uh, page 137. Conflict resolution. Conflicts and disagreements within a relationship can spill over into the sexual domain. Poor emotional intelligence can hinder the ability to resolve conflicts constructively, potentially leading to sexual issues or avoidance. EI affects the sexual domain. Number six, body image and self-esteem. Emotional intelligence influences how individuals perceive themselves. Your EI can give you a false perception of yourself and their bodies. Low self-esteem or negative body image can result from emotional issues, which may affect one's comfort and confidence in sexual situations. Empathetic pleasure. Empathetic pleasure. Put that on the screen. They're probably going to really tag me, right? What's this lady teaching on tonight? Empathetic pleasure. Number seven, empathy not only involves understanding a partner's needs, but also taking pleasure in their pleasure. Individuals with higher emotional intelligence may be more attuned to their partner's enjoyment, which can enhance the overall sexual experience. Number eight, sexual compatibility. Emotional intelligence plays a role in assessing and addressing sexual compatibility. Wow. 
within a relationship. Individuals with emotional intelligence issues may struggle to navigate differences in sexual desires and preferences. Wow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come up with a whole program. This is going to be some good stuff here with a whole program on sexual compatibility. Mm, mm, mm. I can see that now. Yes, I can. What do y'all think about that? Let me slow down and take a look because last night I heard y'all were stroking out and having heart attacks and falling off the chair because I didn't give y'all time to breathe. How you doing? Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, and yes. I see a lot of that. Yes, yes, and yes. Sexual compatibility. Did you ever think of anything like that before you had sex with them? Your EI plays a role in assessing and addressing sexual compatibility within a relationship. Whether you have that or not. Number nine, trust and vulnerability. Trust and emotional vulnerability are essential in sexual relationships. A lack of emotional intelligence can make it difficult to establish trust, trust in the bed, or feel safe being emotionally vulnerable during sexual encounters. We're getting our work done tonight. And the last one, before we do our online assessment, number 10, overall relationship satisfaction. Emotional intelligence issues can affect, as we just learned, the overall satisfaction within a relationship, which in turn can impact the quality of the sexual relationship. Unresolved emotional issues can create tension and dissatisfaction that extends into the bedroom. It's important to recognize that emotional intelligence is a what? We've been saying this for 15 days straight, at least once every night or every lesson. Emotional intelligence is a what? Yes, it's a skill. Y'all go ahead. Who is that? That's Ebony, Chevelle, Anna. All right. All right. I got to remember y'all. Leah, Cynthia Bays. Then we got to put y'all in for the running. Come on, Bianca. Karen, y'all getting it. It's a skill, which means it can be learned, improved upon. That it can be developed and improved over time. All right, Instagram. I see y'all. Addressing emotional intelligence issues through self-awareness, therapy, and communication can lead to better emotional connection, more satisfying sexual experiences, and healthy, intimate relationships. Couples counseling, pastoral care, and therapy can also be a valuable resource for addressing emotional issues within a relationship and improving sexual satisfaction. Note. Do not assume that every pastor can provide relationship or family counseling. If it isn't in their training, please find someone who can offer you this service. 
I've seen so many people unable to go to other people for therapy and counseling because their pastor felt that they should have been able to do everything and that couple should have stayed with them and you don't need anyone else. And that is the most ridiculous thing that we can do to our members. If the Holy Spirit is moving in a different way with a different gift somewhere else, we should never hold someone back from getting help. Never, ever, ever. Did I say never? Absolutely. It is important to know who you are with, what is the goal of the relationship, and begin to work on that together. All right, let's do our online assessment. The maximum points you can get here is 50, five zero. And I have 10 questions for you. And you can put your answers in your notebook. You can put them on the chat as well, or you could keep it to yourself. And then I'll give you the total score. Are we ready? Let's go. Number one, between one to five. One, you strongly disagree. Five, you strongly agree. Okay. Five is higher satisfaction. One is the lowest satisfaction. Do we have it? One to five. One being you disagree. Five being you strongly agree. Let me move this out of the way so I can see y'all here. All right, let's go. Number one, I feel valued and appreciated in my relationships. Do you strongly agree with a five, a four or a three, or do you strongly disagree with a one or a two? And when I say relationships, married couples, I know the first relationship that comes to our minds is our relationship with our spouse, but why don't you do this for two or three different relationships because we made this plural. Do you feel valued and appreciated in your relationships? Number two, I trust and have confidence in my partner or partners or significant others. Number two, I trust and have confidence in my partner or significant others. So you can do this one for your your love relationship, or you can, and I should say, you can do a second line for your friendship relationships. Number three, I am satisfied with the level of emotional support I receive in my relationships. Mm-hmm. See some of y'all numbers three and under. I want to talk to you if you want to talk to me. But what about your friendships, Brandon? What about with your friendships? Number, what did I give you? Number three just now? We'll go to number four. Communication with my partner or significant other is open and effective. Uh-oh, some of the married couples are being taken out because we never talk about things like this. And it's important. I hope for the remaining of this year 
that at least the married couples that I have access to, that we take turns once a month, meet in each other's houses and talk about these things together and build upon this and build each other up. Communication with my partner or significant others is open and effective. Number five, I feel that my needs and concerns are heard and respected in my relationships. And the reason why I'm saying relationships is because remember, emotional intelligence is about relationships. And I'm going to make what may sound like a very arrogant statement regarding EI when we're done. So use this assessment for more than just one. Yes, Angela, I agree. I can see it with my natural eyes. Number six, conflict resolution is handled constructively in my relationships. How we doing Instagram? Y'all all right? Number seven, I have a strong sense of connection and intimacy with my partner or significant other. I have a strong sense of connection and intimacy. I like how you did that, Jerry. She put the, the question number dot and the answer. I see Terry doing it. Gwen Douglas doing it too. I like that. Come on, y'all ain't answering. Okay, here we come again. <laughs> Number eight, I find joy and satisfaction in spending time with my partner or significant other. Go ahead, Ebony. You are working it tonight. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Hmm. Okay. Number nine, I feel supported in pursuing my personal goals and ambitions within my relationships. She has it on the screen, but I'll read that part again. I feel supported in pursuing my personal goals and ambitions within my relationships. That's awesome. Ashley has a five. Go girl. Go ahead, Cheryl Johnson. Beautiful. Mm. I'm very happy for y'all. I see you on Instagram. Come on. Did y'all not answer this last one? IG. Come on, IG people. And the last one, number 10. Overall, I am content and fulfilled in my current relationships. Overall, I am content and fulfilled in my overall relationships, relationships. You can even think of this as a relationship to your church relationship with your job, with your peers, with your friends, with the person that you're in relationship with, giving them the most valuable part of your life. 
Now, for those who are keeping score, if you remember what you wrote, let me give you this briefly. The maximum score is a 50. Those who added up all 10 and you came between 40 and 50, you have high relationship satisfaction. So out of the 10 questions, you answered either a four or a five. If out of all 10, you answered a four or a five, you have high relationship satisfaction. Your relationships appear to be very satisfying and fulfilling. And this makes you wealthy. You are wealthy. Those who have a score between 30 and 39, you have a moderate relationship satisfaction. That means you are generally content with your relationships, but there are some areas that you would like to see improvement on. And you pretty much answered a three and maybe a four once or twice on there to get that score. <coughs> in case you know in your mind, I never answered any of them as a two or one. And then the last group, if your score is a below 30, which means you never put three on any of them. Every, every single one was a one or a two. You have a lower relationship satisfaction. And that means there is significant challenges or dissatisfactions for you in your relationships that could benefit from attention and um, improvement. This assessment can provide valuable insights into overall relationship satisfaction, relationship goals, and will help you in the therapeutic coaching process. This will help with individuals to identify areas where they may want to focus on improving their relationships. If you are serious about that and you want to talk further with me, we can do that starting in February. If you would like to take the assessment again, you can email us tonight and Ebony will be glad to get that over to you in an um, online Google format. And um, you and your spouse can maybe take it together and share your scores and see where you guys scored on number one and where'd you score on number two, number eight and number 10 and just see where your differences are. And it's giving you the groundwork to start your work together so that you can have beautiful, abundant life, including relationships. You can just email us. You can email ebony at suzannemhoward.com or just go to the website and do it. And um, you don't have to remember anything. Just go to the website and just hit the email or the contact us. But if you go to ebony, E-B- O-N-E-Y at SuzanneMHoward.com and ask for the assessment. She'll get it over to you. And if you want to talk about it, you can bring it up with your coach. Please do. Um, if you'd like to talk to me um, about it as well or with your significant other, and we can do some work together in February. That's when I'm, I'm returning to the full coursework. But right now I have a full load of clients and I can't take anyone else on for January. Well, my work is done. I pray you all were blessed and that you received something from my show. We've got some work to do. Our session was great. How was it for you tonight? <laughs> Someone says scored low. See you in February. That's all right. Mm, yeah. Introverts should still have one strong relationship. So we should talk about relationships. 
eye-opening. Very good, Audra. Thank you. It was great. Thank you, Latanya. Thank you, Darnell. All right. We're going to get ready to go. Let me just give you a little clue on where we're going tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about how to nurture healthy relationships using EI. How to nurture the relationships that are already healthy or a relationship that needs some health benefits. How we're going to get there tomorrow. Thank you, Vanessa Roman. I've looked three times to see what Vanessa that was. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of work we're going to do on that tomorrow. So get ready for a good two days of that. And then we're going to move in from there to um, chapter six. And we're going to talk about why you struggle in decision making. Why are you struggling with self-doubt? Why are you not trusting yourself with the big decisions in your life? What has happened to you and how do you bounce back from poor decision-making and where regret plays with that? That's the work we're going to be working on. So we're heading into the thickness of the bush, but come on, we got our, mach our machete. We're going to get through it just fine. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. God bless you. Good night. See you tomorrow. Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.